All right, well, we're gonna continue on in the Gospel of Mark, chapter eight. For a lot of you, this is gonna be um, a huge review, like a reminder, um, but hang with me. There might be some challenges at the end, um, but we're gonna start in, uh, in chapter 27. We're just gonna read four verses, 27 through 30. And uh, so let's, uh, well, let's see, last week, let me just get you up to par. Uh, last week, Pastor, Gain, uh, Pastor Gary talked about this blind man in Bethsaida, right, the northern part of the Sea of Galilee. And, it was, and Jesus healed this blind man in this two-step process. And I think that that was, that was more like a picture, not just of the disciples, and it was a, it was a picture of how we, Right now, we kind of see Jesus dimly. Like we kind of don't see him as clear as we could, but, but one day when we stand before him face to face, we will see Jesus as he truly is. And everything we don't understand will be revealed. Now we're, we're gonna move forward in verse 27. And I'm gonna read from the NIV version. Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi. On the way, he asked them, who do people say I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets of old. What about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? And Peter answered, you are the Messiah, or the Christ, depending on your Bible translation. And Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about him. So Jesus and his disciples are, have left Bethsaida. They're going 25 miles north to Caesarea Philippi, not to be confused with Caesarea on the Mediterranean coast. And they're at, this, they're at like the base of Mount Hermon. And, Mount, and at the base of Mount Hermon, there's this rock cliff. Kyle, you want to throw that picture up? There's this rock cliff, and at the base of this rock cliff, there's this giant cave. And that cave, in that cave, there's this, there's this natural spring that is fed from the snow melt on Mount Hermon. And from this cave, water would just flow out, and actually it was one of the headwaters for the Jordan River. And can you get that picture up, Kai? It's our, and so, uh, but according to Josephus, the historian, there was an earthquake, um, and the plates shifted, and now the water comes out of the ground somewhere in front of the cave. That's just right. Let's go to the next picture. Just want to show you guys a picture of what, yeah, the next, the next picture there. Uh, okay, that's, well, so look behind the who do you say I am, that's the, you can see that maybe a dark spot. That's a cave in the background there. And, and, and in that cave, because the, this water was so deep that the ancients, with all the ropes that they had, they couldn't tie enough together even to measure how deep it was. So they thought it was like this. It was this way to the underworld. So they called it the gates of Hades or the gates of hell. And they worshiped this pagan god named Pan, who was half goat, half god. And so they would do these, these horrible sacrifices and, and pagan rituals at this place. And so they were like literally knocking on the gates. They were spiritually knocking on the gates of hell, saying, let me 
in. And is in this context and this culture in which Jesus asks his disciples this question. Who do people say I am? What are, what's, what's my reputation? What are the rumors that are out there? And they say, well, people are saying that you are like maybe John the Baptist, like resurrected. Like, isn't that ironic? Like, you're someone else who came back to life. Maybe John the Baptist. Maybe an Old Testament prophet like Elijah or Jeremiah. Look at this video. Let's play this, the video that you have, Kai. Historical figure? I don't know. I think he was just a person. I don't know. Just a normal person like us? He was a selfless person. I have no clue. He was a man. I think he was marketing genius because he got people to believe him. I don't, I don't think he's the son of God. I don't believe that at all. If David Copperfield was in the day of Jesus, he would be Jesus. I'm pretty sure he existed. Like, I'm not gonna say that he didn't exist. He was God's son, but so was Gandhi, and so was Muhammad, and so was, you know, we're all God's children. Jesus is someone I pray to. Well, Jesus is my Lord and Savior, um, and he, to me, is the, like, symbol of just ultimate forgiveness and ultimate love. He's sort of that, like, constant figure in my life. Jesus is also Isa in Arabic, and he was a messenger as well. He was just extremely enlightened, like, religiously and morally. Was somebody that um, just tried to um, impart wisdom on others and um, make the world a better place. I think he saw something that a lot of people didn't see and still don't see in others. And I, I think that's just a lot of love and, and hope. Jesus sort of seemed like an ominous uh, figure. You know, he just, he, he was God and it was hard to relate to him. But I think as I've grown in my faith a lot, I've really started to see Jesus as my closest friend. But who do you say I am? He says to his disciples. And Peter answers for them and he says, You are the Christ or the Messiah, depending on your translation. Both mean the same thing Christ in the Greek, Messiah in the Hebrew. They both mean the anointed one. And the Hebrews knew, the Jews knew what that meant because in the Old Testament scriptures, there's prophecies about this anointed one who was going to come and he would, he would carry on the Davidic kingdom. He would take over where King David left off, which meant he was going to rescue them from their captors, from the Roman government, from the Roman military. And, and so they were looking forward to this anointed one who was going to come in power. But what about you? Who do you say I am? When I was younger, um, one of the, the questions I was asked the most, besides what were you thinking by my mother, was which one are you? Are you Kevin or Keith? Keith being my identical twin brother. And sometimes I would say, well, who do you say I am? Who do you think I am? And sometimes I would just say, I'm Keith. Because what difference did it make? I mean, they were just gonna ask me later on the same question because we look so much alike. 21 years ago, 
I was standing in front of a group of people and I was asked this question. Do you take this woman to be your lawful wedded wife? To have and to hold from this day forward to love and to cherish in sickness and in health for richer, for poorer, till death do you part? Now that question I, I kind of had to get right. Or she might have grabbed the cake knife but not to cut the cake. Two weeks ago, my father asked himself a question. He said, what's wrong with me? What is this pain in my chest? And he had been going through this issue with his esophagus where it would cramp and it would cause a lot of pain in his chest cavity. So he thought, I'm having another esophagus spasm. So he takes his pill. That almost cost him his life because of the extra time it took for him to get to the hospital when, we, when he collapsed on the stairs and we realized that he was having a heart attack. Some questions are, they're not that important. Some questions are significantly important and some are very important. But the most important question in the universe was asked by Jesus. Who do you say I am? Because if we don't get it right, eternity is at stake. A man approached his pastor at the end of service and he said, will you pray for my hearing? The pastor said, sure. And he lays his hands on the man's ears and he prays and he prays and he prays and he says, all right, how's your hearing now? He says, I don't know. I don't go to court till Tuesday. <laughs> Before we go forward in life, we've got to know who this Jesus is. The one time I was, I've never looked forward to flying on a plane, but last Wednesday, I was really looking forward to flying to LAX. Because when I booked my flight, choosing my seat on my Alaska Airlines app, there were these blue seats in the front of the plane available, which were first class. And I thought, why am I having, getting this option? And I clicked on first class seat and, and it gave me a first class seat and it was no extra charge. And I thought, wow, I've never flown first class. This is great. And I started imagining when I was at the airport terminal in Seattle and they would say, Ladies and gentlemen, we are now uh, accepting on our, welcome to flight 402 from Seattle to LAX. We're now accepting people uh, that have children or special needs. And then shortly after that, she would say, ladies and gentlemen, we are now accepting those that are military personnel. And then she would say, now, ladies and gentlemen, we would like to welcome all of you who are sitting first class. And I pictured myself pulling my little carry-on handing her my phone with my barcode picture of my plane ticket, and she'd scan it, and she'd say, welcome, Mr. Harvey. And I would walk down the, the gangway to the plane, and, and I'd be sitting in my seat, and people would be walking on going, oh, are there any movie stars here? Any, any, anybody that are really famous? You know how they do, you do that? And, but when I woke up Wednesday morning, there was this app notification on my phone and it said, your flight is boarding. And then there was another one, and it said, 
your flight has departed. What? I just missed my flight? And the first thing I thought of was, no first class? And I called the airlines and I said, did they change the time? And they said, no, it's always been 5 a.m. departure. But when I booked my flight, I saw 5 p.m. And when my parents asked me, when do we need to take to the airport? I said, well, my flight's at 5 p.m. and I checked it. But the airline said, we'll give you a one-time courtesy do-over. And I said, well, do I still get first class? They said, yes. But anyway, you know, sometimes we, like, we have to see Jesus for who he really is or we're going to miss it. We're going to miss it. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Hindu, I mean, uh, the Quran, Muslims say Jesus was sinless, but he's not the son of God. How in the world can that be? If Jesus isn't the son of God, then Jesus lied. And if Jesus lied, he's not sinless. We can't make any mistake about it. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and life. The Pharisees argued with Jesus. They said, Jesus, how can you say you saw Abraham? Abraham died a long time ago. You're not even 50 years of age. Jesus said, look, he said this freak, he said this amazing, he said, before Abraham was, I am. That was huge to what that meant. They, every Jewish person knew, especially the religious leaders, the Pharisees, they knew what that meant. They knew that when Moses was at the burning bush and the bush looked like it was on fire but wasn't burning, God spoke to Moses and said, Moses, go to Egypt and go to your people and tell your people I'm gonna rescue them. Well, Egypt has like over 2,000 gods. Like, who do I say sent me? Because they're gonna ask me, what's God's name? Who is this who sent you? And God says, I am that I am. You just tell them I am sent you. And Jesus is saying, not before Moses, but even before Abraham, your, your patriarchal father, I am. He's saying, I'm the God who spoke to Moses. I'm the God in the, in the burning bush. I always have been, I always will be. Can I get an usher? Uh, Ed Tucker, where are you at? Uh, is that, can I get an usher to grab, uh, or someone, Joe, would you grab this string? And when you walk to that wall right there, can I get us, Jim, could you come up here? I'd like you to hold this against that wall, if you wouldn't mind. And make it tight, guys. Let's bring it up to like here. All right. Now imagine, can you guys see this? Imagine Joe's end, that string, it continues through that wall. 
And it goes through Thousand Oaks and Westlake and down on to San Diego and into Mexico. And it passes Mexico, goes in, way down into South America and then at the, at the equator. It just kind of takes off from the round earth and just kind of takes off into the atmosphere. And then it goes into outer space. And then it passes uh, solar systems and planets and stars. And it just keeps going for billions and billions of light years. A light year being 186 thousand miles per second or 607 million miles an hour and and so in one light year imagine oh man and just billions and billions of those light years and trillions it just keeps going in fact it never ends and imagine this and it goes through santa barbara and it just keeps going up past past northern california and past oregon and washington and alaska and it just then it just veers off into the atmosphere and into the solar system and it just keeps going for billions and billions of light years this string here represents the existence of christ and i'm going to draw a black, black draw a black dot on here can you guys see that? I don't know. Wayne, can you see that? All right, let's hold it up higher, tighter. This black, let's say that black dot right here represents the entire existence of this world. From the beginning of time when God created time and created the universe and all the planets and stars and this black dot represents the whole existence of the earth from now till it is, it is destroyed and replaced with a new heaven and a new earth. Whether that's spiritual or physical, I don't know. And on this black dot, there's another little black dot that you can't see without a microscope. And that little tiny black dot you can't see without a microscope is your life. Now when your life ends your soul will keep living. With God or without God, forever and ever and ever. And Jesus said, those who reject me stand condemned because they have rejected the name of Jesus. If you reject the name of Caesar, you reject his lordship. If you reject the name of Jesus, we're rejecting his lordship, his authority over us. Thank you, guys. I love something I read here. It says, your soul is infinitely more precious and valuable than anything in this life. Your soul will last when the sun, the moon, and the stars have all gone cold and dark. Your soul will exist when the entire universe is gone and the universe is replaced by a new heaven and a new earth. Your soul will go on timeless and measureless into the future. Do you believe in Jesus? Because the devil believes in Jesus. He believes Jesus is the son of God. The demons in hell believe Jesus is the son of God and every person that has ever lived and died now believe without a shadow of a doubt that Jesus is the son of God. Peter says, you're the Messiah. You're the anointed one. 
So Jesus says, don't, don't tell anybody right now because they'll try to make me king by force because they want me to take over the nation for them. No, no, don't, don't tell anybody. So why am I telling you all this? Well, for one, Pastor Gary asked me to preach on this passage, but, but two, because the devil will lie to you like he lied to Adam and Eve. The devil will lie to you like he lied to Jesus about Jesus' purpose on this world, in this, on this earth, like in, in, in the desert during the temptations, and he used scripture. And Christian, the devil will even use scripture against your minds and say, wait, we're called sons and daughters. Even in the Bible, in the Old Testament, the angels can, are referred to as the sons of God. Isn't Jesus just one of us? No. As John, the disciple of Jesus said, in the beginning was the word, i.e. Jesus. And the word was with God and the word was God. Through him all things were made. Nothing was made that was not made through him. In him was life and that life was the light of mankind. He came to that which was his own but his own did not recognize him. Yet to those who did recognize him he gave the right to become children of God. Not children born of natural descent or of human will a husband's decision, but children born of God. The devil will say to you, you're just fine, relax. Take a nitro. Don't worry, you're not dying. He'll say, you're saved. No need to get spiritual. Just, you know, just do your thing. Go to church once a week and you're cool. You're good to go. He'll say, it's just a little sin, no big deal. In 2003, do, do you remember the, the Eastern blackout? The Northeastern blackout? In Ohio, a tree branch fell on a power line. That issue went to a power room, which had a bug in the software system, and it began cascading blackouts all across the northeastern United States and into Canada. And it killed the power for 45 million Americans and 10 million Canadians. A tree branch. It's just a little sin. No, no, don't worry about it. The devil will say God isn't a fair God. If God is love, why is there pain? You don't need to be a Bible thumper. Do you remember the thief on the cross next to Jesus? Jesus doesn't look like a king. He's bloody. You can't even recognize him. And the thief says, Jesus, who may, according to scripture, may have been mocking Jesus originally, he says to Jesus, when you come into your kingdom, remember me. Jesus says, today you'll be with me in paradise. As a thief is dying, 
You can't tell me he cared about what people thought. You can't tell me he cared about what their religious leaders would say of him. He didn't care if people thought he was stupid, ugly, short, fat. He, he stood out in scripture because he knew, he saw who Jesus really was. Christian, we're not to fit in or to stand out with who Jesus is. The devil will tell you he's not the way to eternal life. But these, John the disciple says, but these eyewitness accounts of Jesus and what he did and said are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So let me ask you this. What evidence is there in your life that you believe? Because actions speak louder than words, right? So what evidence is there? that you're truly saved, that you have the security under his rule, that you have a promised home in heaven, that you'll never be alone forever, that you have Jesus interceding on behalf of the Father, that your faith is real. We're gonna talk about some of those things next week. But let me close with this. What Napoleon Bonaparte said, and I never knew he, he, he thought this, he said, I know men, and I tell you that Jesus Christ is not a man. Superficial minds see a resemblance between Christ and the founders of empires and the gods of other religions. That resemblance does not exist. There is between Christianity and whatever other religions the distance of infinity. Everything in Christ astonishes me. His spirit overawes me and his will confounds me. He is truly a being by himself. The nearer I approach, the more carefully I examine. Everything is above me. Everything means remains grand, of a grandeur which overpowers. His religion is a revelation from an intelligence which certainly is not that of man. One can absolutely find nowhere but in him alone the imitation or the example of his life. I search in vain, of anything which can approach the gospel. And neither history, nor humanity, nor the ages, nor nature offer me anything with which I am able to compare it or explain it. Here, in the gospel, everything is, he said, extraordinary. I believe that this message was for somebody here, somebody, maybe you're listening via podcast, Let Jesus be your Lord and your Savior. Surrender your life to him. Receive his forgiveness. When you see his love, you can't help but go, God, thank you. Your heart will cry out, you love me. You've, you died for me. And you will say, I'm so sorry that you had to go to the cross for me. Have you ever felt that cry out in your heart? If not, go to him. Ask him to reveal himself to you if he hasn't already. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for reminding us of your deity. Like when Paul said that the fullness of God rested in Jesus in bodily form. 
God, I pray for those who are on the outside and they're observing, they're observing Christianity or they're observing other religions, that God, that you would lead them to the place of, of truly seeing who you are. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.